Before thee let my cry come near, O Lord, true to thy word, teach me before thee. We are thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through His Word. Let my lips thy praise confess, yea, of thy word my tongue would sing, yea, of thy Greetings this Lord's Day in the name of Jesus. It's another great day that the Lord has given us to live, to worship Him by our good works and to sing His praises. Amen? Amen. His mercies were new this morning, just like they are every morning. Amen? Amen? Maybe it doesn't feel like that to you today, but it's still true. The Bible tells us that when our heart denies what is true, that God is greater than our heart. When those days come, that's a time that it's a good time for us to talk to God, but we don't always know how to do that. Today we're going to talk about prayer, about expressing our doubts and fears, about asking God questions. Do you have some questions that you would like to ask God? Today might be your day. We're going to Psalm 38 for our call to worship. So hear the word of the Lord and hear the prayer of a man after God's own heart. And as you listen to this prayer, ask if this sounds like your prayers. Or maybe your prayers sound more like a ritual and less like a conversation. Listen to what David said in Psalm 38. O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. For thine arrows stick fast in me, and thy hand presseth me sore. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger. Neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. For mine iniquities are gone over my head as a heavy burden, and they are just too heavy for me. My wounds stink, and they are corrupt because of my own foolishness. I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. Some of you might say, I shouldn't talk to God like that. It's been written down here for the people of God even to sing and to think about. My body is filled with a loathsome disease and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and sore broken. I have roared by reason of the disquietness of my heart. Lord, all my desire is before thee, and my groaning is not hid from thee. My heart panteth, and my strength faileth. As for the light of mine eyes, it is gone from me. My lovers and my friends stand aloof from my sore, and my kinsmen stand afar off. They that seek after my life lay snares for me, and they that seek to hurt me speak mischievous things and imagine deceits all day long. But I, as a deaf man, heard not. I, as a dumb man, that opened not his mouth. Thus was I, as a man that heareth not, and whose mouths were no reproofs. For in thee, O Lord, do I hope. You will hear, Lord, Lord my God. For I said, hear me, lest otherwise they should rejoice over me. When my foot slips, they magnify themselves against me, for I am needy to halt, and my sorrow is continually before me. I will declare my iniquity. I will be sorry for my sin. But my enemies are lively, and they're strong, and they hate me wrongfully, and their hates are multiplied. They also that render evil for good are my adversaries, because I follow the thing that is good. Forsake me not, O Lord, my God. Be not far from me. Make haste. To help, O Lord, of my salvation. Sounds like this man was having a rough day. Having a rough time. 
It's okay to have those. That's not proof that you're not a Christian. That's proof that you need a Savior, which all of us do. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today very much aware of our great need for you. Lord, we come knowing we need forgiveness, and knowing forgiveness comes from you. And so we know you will offer it to us. Lord, we come hungering, knowing that you are the source of all good nourishment. Lord, feed us from heaven today. And Lord, we know we need to be changed. Change us. Help us to be more like you as we hear your word. May we be transformed by the renewing of our minds. In Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said. sermon today is called questioning God. Everybody say questioning God. I actually have it written down here, how long, O oh Lord, but I think questioning God might be a better title. It is from Psalm chapter 13. And um, I'll read it for you here and then we'll pray. Here's my text. Psalm 13. I'm just going to read the whole psalm. To the chief musician, a psalm of David. How long will thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long will thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? Consider me and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in thy mercy, and my heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord, because he hath dealt bountifully with me. Let us pray. Lord, right now what we want to hear is your voice. We want you to speak to us, Lord. And Lord, I know that you've spoken to me. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that I would be able to pass on what you have given to me. That we would be able to understand what David prayed in Psalm 13. Lord, that this message would be a message that was conveyed to your people in your word. And may it be a message conveyed to the people here today. And applied to their hearts. In Christ's name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. How long? David asked. How long will you forget me, O God? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I take counsel of my soul, having sorrow in my heart every day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? How long indeed? Here in Psalm 13, if you look it up and you read the commentaries, it is known, uh, Stephen, it's known as the How Long Psalm. Probably only in English is it known as the How Long Psalm, because it rhymes a little bit with that word. But there's a series of four How Longs, and there is... These questions that are asked by David of God. Questions about God himself. Questions about his own future, David's own future. And questions about his enemies. Now I've heard some say that they thought it was not right to ask God questions. I've been doing a thing. My household is growing by the day. My family is there, next thing you know, Jonathan is there, next thing you know, Matthew is there, and Harrison is there. And so I take advantage of this, and as God begins to speak to me, I'll sit down with them, and I'll start to talk to them early in the week about what is God is talking to me about. And one of the things that happened, uh, Brother Chris, was we were there, and they were like, I thought it was wrong to ask God questions. I didn't know we could ask God questions like that. I'm like, well, let's talk about it. And in that discussion and in that thought and in the searching of Scripture, I can oftentimes myself provide people better answers about what the Bible's talking about if they ask me questions. What does it say that for? And 
Why is that there? God will begin to quicken the scriptures to my heart and I'll be able to give an answers. And as I gave answers to them, I think it's going to give answers to all of us. So when, it, when people say that it's not right to question God, it's certainly not right to question God in a certain sense, but it's certainly not wrong to ask God questions. In fact, it's the very thing that you should do. To question God or to say that someone is questioning God is to question that his judgments are good. To put them in doubt. To say that what he does is not just or right or good. That's what it means when someone says that we should not question God. It doesn't mean not to ask him questions. This is certainly something we should never do. God is always good and right and just. And his standard, in fact, what he does, he is the standard. If God does something, then it's good. If God does something, then it's right. Even if it doesn't appear right to you. And some of the things that God does in His Word do not appear right to you. I know they don't. They don't appear right to me. When I hear that God's going to destroy a city and kill every man, woman, child, every kitten, every dog, every baby chicken, how many of you are okay? Like, just think that's just fine. I want you to go in the city and kill them all. I want you to burn their city. I don't want you to even save their animals, kill their animals too. That's not really something that you look at and you go, oh, that's great. That's perfect. That must be right. No, you, you kind of go, did he really have to do that? Now, in that way, questioning God is wrong. Because if God said to do it, it was good and it was right. But we can see here that this is not what David is doing. David is talking to God and he's asking him questions. If you spend time in conversation with someone, if you don't ask questions, what is it that they're going to wonder? Do you even care about what I'm saying? Right? You know, some you you ever talk to someone and they just go, yep, yep, yep. You're just kind of like wanting to smack them upside the head. Are, are you awake? Are you there? Are you there? You like it when people go, oh, so tell me about that. Or what was that like? Or where were you again? And people want you to pay attention. David here in Psalm 13, this is an inspired song and prayer to God written for us to sing and pray. God doesn't mind. We can see here that he doesn't mind us asking questions. In fact, when the Bible says we have not because we, we ask not, sometimes what we lack isn't the, some thing, but what we lack is an answer. Right? We may not say, well, I don't have any money. Well, you should ask God, right? Well, we know to do that. If we don't have money, we ask God for that. If we need healing, we ask God for that. But how many of us are asking God for answers? Like, why? How long? We don't find things because we don't look for them, the Bible says. Doors are not open because we do not knock on them. And again, we do not have answers because we do not ask questions. Do you ask God questions? You guys ask God things? You ever ask God why he's doing something? Maybe you don't because how in the world do you expect that he's going to answer you? What's he going to speak from heaven? Is he going to talk out loud? Are you going to hear an audible voice and be accused of being a nut? I mean, God doesn't really talk to us like that. Does he? Does he not? I think he does. I think we need to get away from this God doesn't talk to us nonsense because he does talk to people. He talks to me. He talks to the people in the Bible that he interacts with all the time. They don't write about it and go, and I know God doesn't normally talk to people, but he talked to me. They never say that. I always have to say that. Anytime God is talking to me about something, I go, now, I just have to explain everybody. You know, I didn't hear an audible voice. I didn't see a blinding light. Uh, God didn't write it on the wall. God talks to me in the way God talks. I'm always having to explain this to people. But God talks to me all the time. And if he's not talking to you, perhaps you're not asking him any questions. I mean, God talks to me. when I, Andy, I go, what is, this, what is Psalm 13 saying? Why did you include this in the Bible? What does it mean? I, like I read this and at first reading, Luke, when I read it, I go, I'm supposed to preach a sermon about this? What on earth? Could this, is this another? David's complaining. David's got problems. And now David's better. Is this just another one of these? I've got 150 psalms to preach, God. What on earth could this possibly mean? I asked God that. And you know what God will begin to do to me? 
He starts to tell me the answer. All of a sudden, scriptures start to come to my mind. and All of a sudden, my heart goes this direction and that. And I go, well, I really haven't think of it like that, Lord. Do you guys have conversations with God like this? If you don't, you're probably not reading His Word with curiosity. You might be stuck in the idea that God is kind of like a fairy tale and you're just behaving and you're, you're paying homage to the, to the great God of heaven. Folks, it's not like that. God wants to be our friend. Benita, He wants to talk to you. He wants you to go, God, I'm just... How many more times am I going to hurt my ankle? What is going on with this, Lord? How many more times are people going to run into my car? What is going on here? And God might go, remember when I told you I'd provide for your needs? What if you added all the money up in cars? Maybe you might find that it really wasn't so bad. There's a little cost to it. You know, I don't know what God's going to say, but God doesn't mind if we say, Lord, what on earth are you doing? If you don't ask God questions, if you don't ask Him to help you understand, you should be doing it. Why am I suffering? Why, will I, why am I not married? Are you trying to teach me something through these trials? If you go through a bunch of trials, if you're sick all the time, or if you experience death in a, a way that's just not the expected way in your life and in your family, if you have trouble with work, if you have trouble with money, how many of you are going, God, what are you trying to show me here? The Bible says that in the time of adversity, we are to consider. Any of you ever, you know, if you think that God's not active in everything that's going on in your life, you probably don't ask God what He's doing because you just think it's just happening. Well, I mean, people get flat tires all the time. People have accidents all the time. People go through difficulties all the time. I mean, what in the world does it matter what I'm going through? It matters because God says every little thing in your life is for a reason and for a purpose. So what is it? And you know why you probably don't know? You probably don't know because you haven't asked God. When will this trial be over? You might be surprised what happens if you ask these questions. In fact, you know what might happen, Jonathan? God might answer them. Now the problem with that is sometimes you're not going to like the answer. You know, you ask Pastor Mark, do you think I'm a selfish person? I might go, I love you. I might turn into Joel Olstein right there. You know what? If the world just looking down on you, you're a good person. You know, I may do that, but God's not going to, God is going to tell you, well, this is happening in your life because you're a self-righteous hypocrite who needs hit on the head because you're supposed to represent Christ in your family, in your church. And I'm trying to knock all this nonsense off of you because God wants to be glorified in your life and you might go oh okay maybe i could help with that by stop being a self-righteous hypocrite that's happened to me god has come to me and told me that i'm a self-righteous hypocrite more than once in my life maybe that's never happened to you maybe that's not you i've learned what i didn't know and what others did not know after asking god questions in prayer i've said god i want to know and you know what god's let me know when you're young sometimes and you ask questions, how many of your kids ask you questions and you can pretty much go, I'm not going to answer that question, right? Sometimes when you're young in Christ, when you're little, and you know, you're not really ready to hear the answer from God. God's not going to answer. You ever just tell your kids, just be quiet. You're a kid. One day you're going to understand. Sometimes when we ask God, that might be what happens. We don't get an answer. But when you grow up a little bit more, Sometimes knowing the answer can really be helpful. I mean, you know, when I'm driving somewhere, I like to look at my phone and see how long it's going to be till I'm going to get there. Now, I have some kids in the back, who, you know, every five minutes, how long are we going to be till we get there? When are we there? But I look at my phone like 150 miles. I'm like, all right, I'm tired, but I can hang out for 150 more miles. I can do it. I can do it. I need that encouragement. All right, it's not, it's not 500 miles, it's 150. I can do it. Sometimes knowing what you're going through and how long you're going to be in it can sort of help you to know, all right, I can do it for this much longer. I, could, I can't drive all night, but I can drive for another hour and a half. I can do it. Remember the Apostle Paul's earnest prayer from our readings in 2 Corinthians here? 2 Corinthians 12, he prayed for an affliction... To be healed. Paul's thorn in the flesh. Now, 
when we go back and look at this, I know you've heard it already, but we're going to look at it real briefly here. You're going to hear that apparently in prayer, God answered some questions that he doesn't always answer. Like, what is this for? How long is it going to be here? And in this case, I'm not going to heal you. Is that an acceptable answer from God? Yeah, it is an acceptable. You're not going to be healed. This is going to be your life. This, is, this thing is never going to happen in your life. That, that's okay. Do you know that's an answer? That's better than wondering about it the rest of your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I knew a man in Christ uh, above 14 years ago. Whether in the body, I can't tell. Whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knows. Such an one, he's, he's talking about himself. Okay. He got caught up in the third heaven. I knew him whether in the body or out. I can't tell. God knows how he was caught up into paradise. He heard unspeakable words, which not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one, I will glory yet of myself. I'll not glory, but in my infirmities. For though I would desire glory, I should not be a fool. For I say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think above me that which seemeth to be me. He said, you know, don't think too highly of me. But here's what he says in verse 7. This is an interesting thing. Now, this is written under the power and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he's talking about something in his past. You know, when you retell a story in your life, and you know why, you can tell that story a whole lot better. All right, just so you know, I was a blazing, self-righteous hypocrite. And you're telling the story. This is, this is the way God saw it. So this thing came in my life, and it beat me down, and it straightened me out. And when the Lord brought this to my attention, oh, it reminded me of what I needed to do. That's a way better story when you know why, right? So verse 7, he said, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So Paul knows that a messenger from the of that was of Satan came to him to irritate him, to buffet him, to plague him, to afflict him, because God had done so much in his life. He might be tempted because of who he was and how he was broken by sin. He might be tempted to get the big eye, the big tough guy. You know what? I'm the great apostle Paul bow before my greatness. That was going to be his temptation. And God said, unless that be your temptation, brother, how about this? What if I make you to where you can't see? That'll kind of be hard to go around, right? You'll have to have people lead you around. You have to write the letters that you write to the churches in giant letters just so you can see them. I'm going to make you cold and put you in prison. I'm going to make the churches disrespect you. I'm not going to pay you for your work. You're going to have to go out and, and, uh, and make tents to earn your money. Because if I didn't do that, Paul, you'd think you were the greatest thing since sliced bread. You'd think you were important. Now, how does he know this, Steve? How does he know why it came? Well, if you read about it, he prayed about it. God, heal me. God, heal me. God, heal me. He says he went to God three times. If you think that is like he, you know, if this is some prayer, prayer you can find over at Lifeway Books, you know, repeat three times, you know, like, like on the shampoo bottle. Rinse, wash, rinse, repeat. Wash, rinse, repeat, right? That's not what he did. Lord, heal me. Lord, heal me. Oh, I said it three times, you know, no. I guarantee you there were three seasons in Paul's life where he said, God, I've had enough of this. Lord, I have no money. Lord, I can't see. How in the world am I supposed to do what you've given me to do? I'm having such a hard time. Lord, I'm sick. I'm having difficulty. What's going on? Silence from heaven. Silence from heaven. But eventually, what did he find out? He found out about the messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. Somehow he had to know why. Because he tells us why in verse 7. Not only was it for this reason, this reason that he needed to be uh, put in his place. Do you know it's not the worst thing in the world to need to be put in your place? And God knows just how to do it. Verse 8. For this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. This is where we're starting to see how he knew. He prayed about it while he was asking God for healing and deliverance from whatever it was. I wouldn't be surprised if in that prayer was a prayer like David prayed. How long? What's this for? What is going on? Why are you doing this to me? 
God's answer helped him. It gave him purpose in the trial that he was not only able to endure it, but what Paul says he's able to do next is amazing. Not only is he able to endure it, Matt, but he's able to take pleasure in the horrible things that's in his life as a result. Now that's a new place, isn't it? And you know what? Here's the deal. I can do something and I can sort of survive it, but if I know that if by doing this I'm going to do something good for my wife and my children and this church, then I do it. I, I can't count the times that I've done really, really hard things where I'm tired and I'm worn out and I'm overwhelmed and I'm thinking, you know, I remember doing a tree job one time and Heath, I'm cutting and I cut a few and I'm so overheated and it's so hot and I'm, that I literally, between every cut, I'm sitting down on the ground and I feel like my heart's going to explode and sweat's pouring down me. And that was, that was one of the days I cut Nathaniel's hand with the chainsaw. And I'm like, I can't quit. i got to have this money. I really need, my family really needs this money. And I'm like, in the end, I'm going to get paid. In the end, I'm going to get paid. And I remember I'd get up and I'd work for two or three minutes. And I'd sit down. I'm like, <gasps> and I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack. And sweat's pouring down my face. And my kids are like, Dad, come on, Dad. you got to quit. And I'm like, I'm not quitting. Why? Because I know I needed what I needed. And I knew at the end of it, I was going to get it. And you know what I knew? Nevaeh, I knew I wasn't going to get the money if I didn't finish the job. Paul knew. He's there. He's saying, this thing, I can take pleasure even in the difficulty. Because you know what? Because God gave me a tree to cut down. Because God gave me a way to earn money for my family. Because God gave me a trailer and a truck. And he gave me kids. And he gave me a wife and kids to take care of. And I'm glad if he gives me a tree to cut down, if about half kills me, I'm still going to cut it down. You see what I'm saying? Paul says, I take pleasure in this. Mike, he said this, God said that the Lord spoke to him finally after he prayed three times. And he said, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So now not only has he learned that... uh, A a messenger of Satan was sent to buffet him, but that he was going to continue to buffet him. But that this was to teach him something. What was it to teaching him? My grace is enough for you. You, My grace is going to help you. You might be here. You might be, you know, I know the Robinettes. There are things that we pray about at our table over and over. And we say, God, why? Why? My grace is sufficient for thee, for thy strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, he says, most gladly. Therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities. He said, why? Because my infirmities came so that I might see the grace of God. My infirmities came in my life because God wants me, his strength to be made perfect in my weakness. So, you know what you say? You know what? I'm glad to be weak. I'm glad not to have what I have. I'm glad not to have what I think I need. I'm glad to only have as much strength as I have. I'm glad because God's strength is made perfect in my weakness. Verse 10, therefore I take pleasure. I mean, come on. Would be to God we could be there. Therefore I take pleasure in my infirmities, my reproaches, the necessities, the things he didn't have that he, he wanted persecutions, distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, I am strong. You see how knowing the purpose behind the pain changed everything for him? And how would he get that, Laura, unless he asked God? The meat of what Paul wrote to the Corinthians was what God had taught him in a season of prayer over personal difficulties. Note that Paul was not shy to say that God spoke to him Does God speak to you? You might say God spoke to Paul because he was an apostle, but you know, he's not talking about apostle type stuff, is he? He's talking about his own problems. He's talking about his own struggle and his own unanswered prayer. This isn't apostle stuff, but this is man of God stuff. To be clear, God's not going to tell you something contrary to what the scripture says. God's not adding to his word through you or anybody else. But I think we can see here that God will certainly talk to you about you. And the things Paul shares with the Corinthians are about him and about his own struggle and about how God answered his request by helping him understand why and helping him understand 
how long? God's answer to how long was forever. <laughs> I mean, Luke, can you imagine getting the answer? How long am I going to struggle? Forever. Okay, well, if I'm going to struggle forever, maybe I should uh, tone back my complaints because they're just going to, it's just going to be that way. Today, God would remind us that not only does he answer prayer requests of doing things for us, but he answers our questions. It's okay to ask God. In fact, it's more than okay. God wants us to ask him. God wants us to understand what he's doing. You know, you guys remember Abraham? I love this in Ab- I love this story of Abraham. The way the story of Sodom and Gomorrah begins, if you miss how it begins, I think you miss the entire point of the story. Sodom and Gomorrah are not that important. The part of the world that is it is not important. All this other stuff. But what happens right at the beginning of the story is the most important thing of all. Genesis 18, 17 says, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing that I do? God's asking him his own self a question. God wants us to see what he's doing. We're his friends. We're the ones living the story out down here on earth. God is not remote and uncaring. He wants us to know what he's doing. You know, when I know what God is doing... When it gets hard, I just, I can smile. I'm like, well, God's at work. Uh, I'm not, I'm not about to quit. No, in fact, I'm never quitting because he doesn't quit. Are we not the children of Abraham? Hasn't God promised that he will be our God, right? Like he was Abraham's God. He's our friend too. Verse 18, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he will command his children the way of his household after him and they will keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. You see, God loves to speak to his people. If you belong to God, God wants to talk to you. He wants you to know what he's doing. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, because their sin is grievous... God comes and tells Abraham what he's going to do. And he tells him why he's going to do it. I'm getting ready to rain fire and brimstone and I'm going to kill all of these people. And I'm going to do it because they're horrible, wretched, grievous sinners and I can't take it anymore. And what's amazing to me is what goes on. Abraham starts asking God questions. Really? Are you really going to do this? I mean, are you going to kill righteous people too? There's probably a few righteous people over here in this town. Lord... Now, does God get mad, Joy, and tell him he shouldn't ask? What does he do? He dialogues with Abraham. And you might go, this is weird, and this is disrespectful, and this is crazy. No, it's not. It's what people do. If you serve God and you see God doing this to someone, I'm like, Lord, why are you doing this to Steve Foisey? Lord, what is going on? How can I help? What is going on? What does he need to know? What is going on? And I talk to God about you. I talk to him about me. I talk to him about you, too. God says, I'm going to go down now and see whether they've done all together according to the cry of it which has come. And the men turned their faces from thence. They went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood before the Lord. Now listen how Abraham talks to God and how God talks to him. See in these following verses that God did not lose patience with him. He did not chide him for daring to ask these questions. If anything, what does God do? He encourages Abraham for asking the questions by doing what he does next. God wants to know you. He doesn't mind if you don't understand what he does. God, God doesn't just go, you know what? My ways are above your ways. Shut up. You can't know stuff. I'm God. I know everything. You can't know. What does he do? He responds to Abraham like this, okay? So Abraham drew near and he said to this God, he said, will you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Now, if I'm God, or if, if, if I'm God, because I would make a bad God, I would say, shut up. What do you think? You think I'm stupid? Of course I'm not going to kill righteous people over here. But that's not what God does. God listens to this stupid question that Abraham asked. Do you know it's okay to pray stupid questions? God's not mad. He knows you're stupid. He knows you're stupid more than you do. And he expects stupid people to ask stupid questions. It's all right. Any teacher that told you that no question is a stupid question was stupid. Just, Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. So he says, well, what if there's 50 righteous people within the city? Will you destroy them and not spare the place for 50 righteous that are there? 
Let it be far from thee to slay the righteous with the wicked, that the righteous should be as the wicked. Lord, let that be far from thee. Shall not the judge of the earth do right? I mean, come on, guys. God, are you going to behave yourself? I mean, guys, this is stupid questioning here. The God of heaven, the righteous God of heaven, are you going to do unrighteousness now? Why? He's just a man here. And he thinks that there's righteous people in this city. And he's convinced of it. He's, been, he's visited Sodom before. And he's like, I think there's a few good people down there. And I really don't really think you should do this. He's talking to God the way we talk. This whole thing did not work out well for Sodom and Gomorrah, as you know. But including Abraham, like God did here, I'm sure went a long way in building his faith and much more. Hopefully it's doing something in you. You know what? If he can ask some dumb questions and God talks to him and humors him and answers him maybe God would answer your dumb questions too you might go I don't know what to ask God you know what I don't think you need to God wants you to talk to him he wants you to care he wants to include you on what he's doing your relationship with God grows as you ask him questions and he answers them Psalm 13 is a good reminder that we should start asking God questions if we aren't already doing it and he's encouraging you to keep it up if that's what you do Paul showed us that we can even ask several times for the same thing. And perhaps God is teaching us in that asking perseverance. And I'll give you one more example of this. Of course, probably the very best example from Matthew chapter 26, where Jesus himself is making some requests of God. That's what, that's what questions are sometimes. They're requests. You're asking God, like, would you heal me? Could you deliver me? Is there some other way, Lord? Jesus went with his disciples in Matthew 26, starting in verse 36. He went to a place called Gethsemane. Sit here while I go over and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. My soul, here's what he prayed. He said to them, my soul's overwhelmed with sorrow. I'm at the point of death. Kind of sounds like the psalm, right? How long, Lord? Lord, I'm at the point where I'm going to sleep the sleep of death. I can't take it anymore. This is where Jesus was. Can you please stay with me? Keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell to his face to the ground and he prayed, My father, if... Everybody say, if. Yes. What's if? If's a question. Lord, if it's, is it possible? Lord, is there some other way? Other than me going to the cross and all that, is there some other way? If, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus did it right. You know, I'm going to ask the questions, but God, you, you know the answers. Even Jesus talked to God this way. He came, returned to the disciples. He found them sleeping. Can you not keep watch with me an hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray that you fall not into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and he prayed. See this pattern? Do you know what Jesus does? He prays three times. He asked God, what is he showing us? It's not wrong to keep asking God. Even Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, God in the flesh, ask over and over and over for the same request of God. Is there another way? Is there another way? Is there another way? My Father, is it not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it? For your will to be done, O oh Lord. When he came back, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. And so he left them and went away. And he prayed a third time saying the same thing. Why would God record in his word that Jesus came asking one time, two times, three times? Why would that be, Corinne? Maybe because he wants to teach you that it's okay to come and ask God over and over. Because if Jesus did it, I mean, you may argue Paul did it. That may not be right. But did Jesus ever do wrong? He did not. He asked over and over and over again. Now... The part that's a little bit sad, it's kind of heartbreaking for me, Andy. God never answered him. We hear many times in Scripture where God talked and Jesus talked, right? They talked to each other. The man, Christ, talking to the, the Father in heaven. There are times when a, when a voice, this would have been a great time, Joy, wouldn't it have been for a voice to come from heaven? But the voice never came. You know what came, Stephen? Soldiers. And sometimes we pray and we ask God and the heavens seem like they are brass. 
And God doesn't answer, but what does come is soldiers. Sometimes that's how our answers will come, but not all the time. Here in Psalm 13, David asks a question similar to a question that the prophet Habakkuk later asked God just before the Babylonian siege of Jerusalem. Perhaps he had Psalm 13 in mind. It had been written many years before Habakkuk was no doubt familiar with it. We don't see God's answer here in Psalm 13 when David asked the question, but we do see Habakkuk's answer from God. So I'm going to read it to you. But I'm going to say that with this, sometimes we may not like the answers we get from God. And you might go, well, then I'm not going to ask. I think we should still ask. So Habakkuk chapter 1, it's called Habakkuk's Complaint. Habakkuk 1, O Lord, how long shall I cry and thou will not hear me? Was God not hearing him? God could hear him. People accuse God of not hearing him, but, but I think we know what he means, right? I'm praying and praying and praying and nothing seems to change. I'm praying and praying and praying and I'm not getting an answer. I'm praying and praying and praying and I don't know this thing. How long shall I cry and thou will not hear me? Even cry unto thee of violence and you won't say. I'm telling you about horrible things happening, but you won't do anything about it. Why, he asked in verse 3, why? Dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance, spoiling violence or before me, and they that rise up in strife and contention? Why am I after looking at the ungodliness around me? Why do I have to see this, Lord? Can you not do anything about this? Therefore, the law is slack, the judgment doth never go forth, and the wicked can pass about the righteous. Therefore, wrong judgment proceeds. He's saying, you know what? Because you're not doing anything about it, God. They think they're getting away with it. And you know what? They might think they're getting away with it. Is anybody going to ever get away with anything with God? No. And sometimes this is what we worry about. Are they going to get away with it? Are they just going to keep doing it? That's what we think. Well, it's okay if you feel that way. It's okay even to talk to God about it. But you ought to know He does not leave us. He doesn't forsake us. He's not deaf that He can't hear. Amen? And His arm's not short that He can't. If He isn't doing it, it's because He's got a reason for not doing it. But in Habakkuk 1, we get an answer. And I won't go through all this because I know it's hot. I know I've been preaching a while. I think you're getting what I'm trying to say here. But God's answer was, okay, I'll tell you why. And I'm going to tell you for how long. And what he tells them is so wretchedly painful that if you haven't read it, you should read it. If you don't believe that God's sovereign over everything, you should read Habakkuk chapter 1. And you will. He says, let me explain to you how this works. You've been bad. You have spurned my word and you've turned away from me. And what I did is I'm a patient God. And so over years and eons, I raised up a people who were never a people. And I created those people so they would hurt you. I raised up your enemies. They're going to be faster than wolves. They're going to fly better than eagles. And they're going to hurt you. They're going to destroy your cities. They're going to take you captive. And they're going to teach you what it means to turn away from me. I am doing this to you. Now, this is kind of a scary thing, right? You're like, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. I was hoping it would be like, you know, better news than this, but it's not. And if you read Habakkuk 1, he tells them, and, and, and Habakkuk finally replies, you know what? They've been ordained by you, I know, to punish us, but could you, could you stop the punishment now? And God says, no, I'm not going to stop it. In fact, it's going to get worse. And that's what happens. Babylonians come. They take siege. They burn the temple. They tear it all down. It appears that all is lost. But even with the temple gone and the city gone and everything in the temple carried away, was it over? No. It seemed like it was over. It looked like it over. It looked like all there was was devastation. Habakkuk asked and he got the answer. Lord, and the answer said, nope, it's not over. Read the whole chapter of Habakkuk chapter 1. If you're having a struggle and you think you've suffered, you haven't suffered anything like that. The whole book of Habakkuk is this kind of thing. Why God? Okay, I'll tell you why. When God? Okay, I'm going to tell you when. Rough stuff. God does very rough things to His people because He loves us. He tells us the truth so we can understand. Often if we can understand, we can endure our difficulties so much better. It was a great pleasure to be at the home of the Bonaviers, uh, whenever that was. 
a week ago, two weeks ago, I don't even know when it was. I, it, I'm having a little trouble mentally remembering everything. But the question came up, right? How long, Lord? Why, Lord? And, and you know what? We thought of a few possibilities. But you know who knows the answer, Brother Chris? He does. And do you know who's good? He is. And do you know that the purposes in your life are going to mature and it's going to be good? Now, the answer might be hard, but God is in it all. Amen? Amen. If you, don't, if you haven't had the chance to meet the Bonavires, I left their house calling my wife saying, Oh, I love those people. Those are fantastic people. You'll have to prove me wrong, okay, over time. But I'm already big fans of the Bonavires. I think you're great. Love, love the time I spent. It was very encouraging to me. I was going through some rough stuff, dealing with some, some rough, nasty, yucky things. And I got some great encouragement from you. Thank you for our time together. So I know I've been preaching a while. You guys hold on for just one more minute. Psalm 13. Like, Mark, you haven't even mentioned Psalm 13. I mean, you've been preaching for 35, 40 minutes here. Dear Lord, please stop. That's my question. How, how long? How long? Just a little bit longer. To the chief musician, a psalm of David, how long will you forget me, O Lord, forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Many of us feel like this on many occasions. How long will you take counsel of my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? How long? Consider and hear me, O Lord, my God, lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Can you hear this, Derek, what he's saying? You can hear it. He's like, how long? I can't take it anymore. It's killing me. I'm dying here. How long is this going to last? Are we there yet, God? David even throws a reason for God to stop doing this to him. And I think it's a little bit funny. Because you know he doesn't mean it. Mine enemies will have a reason to brag. I, I guarantee you that wasn't really the forefront of his worry. He wanted relief. And when he, and he's praying, okay, if you can't do relief for me, you probably should do it for your glory of your name. And so my enemies won't have anything to rejoice about. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed against him. And those that trouble me rejoice when I'm moved. Lord, if you don't do it for my sake, do it. Save me from this ungodly man who's bragging that he did it to me. But what does David always do, guys? He always comes back. He always, that's why, that's why he's, it's why he's the author of so many of these Psalms because he had a heart after God. Finally, he comes back to the good and wonderful heart that is after God. Finally, here is this emotive prayer and song. David returns to God who made him and he looks up in the face of goodness and new mercies of God. David remembers who he's talking to. Sometimes it takes a while in prayer to remember who you're talking to. He's not talking to someone who forgets his people. He's not really worried he's going to forget him. God will not hide his face from David. He will save him as he always has. God has promised to establish his throne forever. He's promised never to leave him or forsake him. David prays through his discouragement and fear and even his anger and confusion. And he comes out on the other side looking up into the face of holiness and goodness. Do you know sometimes that's what we need to do to press through our veil of flesh. Josh, when you worry... And you've got problems and these things come against you and they're plaguing your mind. You might go, all right, devil, you brought me some worries today. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray for like an hour. The devil will quit bringing you worries because he doesn't want you praying to God. He doesn't want you talking. What he wants you to be is discouraged. And in that prayer, I guarantee you, if you call out to God, if you don't hold back, if you ask God questions and you cry out to God, eventually you'll be like David. You'll come around. You'll be like, oh, God, okay. You're good. You're never going to forsake me. You love me. I'm not going to trust these thoughts that I have. I'm going to trust you instead. This is another great of the benefits of prayer in the times of uncertainty about what our future can be. We can be certain about one thing, that God is true. In those times of wondering if you can not take it any longer, God reminds you that he will never put on you more than you'll be able to bear. God reminds us that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us and that he is our father and our savior. And David says these words. He said, I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. 
Some of you remember days thinking that God had forgotten you, thinking that there would never be joy in your life, and today you are clothed in beauty when you once were clothed in ashes. Amen? And today you are dancing when yesterday you were mourning. My prayer is today that you will ask God a few questions this week, maybe today, maybe even right now, and that you would grow to see Him and to know Him better as He answers you. David's final words in the psalm, what he comes to after asking God questions was this, God has been good to me. He's always been good to me. And he always will. That's no doubt what you'll come to if you start asking God questions too. Let us pray. Lord, speak to our hearts. Be our friends. We ask in advance for you to have patience with us, not because we know or think somehow you lack it, but because we're so mindful of our distance from you and your wisdom. But Lord, thank you for loving us and telling us to ask, for wanting to hear us, for humoring us, even in our stupidity and ignorance and foolishness, Lord. As we read in our call to worship, David in his prayer from Psalm 38 came to the point where he realized that his whole approach was sheer foolishness. But Lord God, it's the approach that you call us to, and we are answering that call as we come to you today. In Christ's name we pray, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.